everybody to So Every Soul Sings, Worship for the Real Church. I'm Bethany Pettigo, and I'm here with my friend Rod Ellis. You wooed early that time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. I just, I love this. It's so fun. And to get to think through these things with you is a joy of my life. And I am just, I really, if the, if the listener is half as excited as I am, they're going to have a great time listening. So let's hope for that. Yes, me too. Same. Uh, so Yay. I'm a missionary kid, and it's one of my favorite uh, experiences of my life growing up on the mission field. I spent seven years in Liberia, West Africa, when I was ages two to nine. And one of my favorite things about being a missionary kid was welcoming people into our house. We mm. seemed, you know, to my childhood perspective, seemed to have a never-ending stream of people in and out of our house for various reasons. Some would stay right. for a Bible study. Some would come for dinner. Some would spend days or even weeks with us, family members, other missionaries, people traveling through. And I just remember being happiest when people were in my house. And now that I'm an adult and I'm in a season and stage of my life where I get to welcome people into my home, it remains a tremendous joy to me. And so today we're going to talk about hospitality in the sense of worship leaders who are preparing a space, not just for our congregations, but for our worship teams to feel welcomed and practically enabled to enjoy their experience. So we're talking today about resources for the win, practical things that we can do to make our worship teams not only feel welcome, right, but enable them to do the things we're asking them to do, which is what resources are. Yeah, I grew up in a home kind of like yours where there were people in our house all the time, especially in the summer. We had a pool in the backyard. And so our neighborhood lived at our house. Oh, and awesome. <laughs> it was, it was wonderful. Um, we would play basketball out in front of the house until we couldn't stand it anymore. And then we would go jump in the pool and then we would play in the pool for a while. And when we cooled off, we'd go back and play basketball or whatever. But we really did have, um, it was a bit of a Camelot childhood in that way. Um, we didn't have money, so it wasn't that, but, but relationally there were probably 15 or 20 kids around my age from three years older to three years younger and we just literally lived in our pool. And so when somebody from across the street came to our house and they wanted a glass of tea, they didn't have to wait for my mom to say, Scott, would you like a glass of tea? They just went to the kitchen and got a cup out of the cabinet because they knew where it was and got ice right. out of the refrigerator. No <laughs> ice maker. But they, right. <laughs> you know, they, if they, and they would fill up the ice trays after they emptied them because it was just like their, my home had become their home. And that's the way I think about hospitality. It's, it's not mm -hmm. just um, feeling like you're being hosted well. It's, being made, it's, it's for me to be uh, able to say to somebody who's in my home, this is now your home too. And yes. anything that you, that you need, if we have it, it's here for you. And, and that's what I think about when I think about resourcing my team, that it's really not my team. We talked about that in a recent episode. It's the church's yes. team. And these aren't my resources. These are the church's resources. And so when somebody mm -hmm. asks me, um, as Melissa Smith did recording a video at your house last week, can I yes. use the church's camera for this project for the church? It's like, well, 
duh, it's the church's camera. It's a project for church. Like, I appreciate being in the loop about that, but of course you can use the church's camera. This is what hospitality looks like. This is how we resource people who do things in our ministry is we make sure they have everything they need, whether that's a glass of tea or, or a video camera or a bunch of other things we'll talk about. We just make sure they have what they need in order for it to feel like it's their home base to do their ministry. And that's, yes. I think, what hospitality feels like, but it has to be worked out in very practical ways. Otherwise, we have people who are thirsty and we don't have any way to give them a glass of tea. And so I just thought it'd be fun for us to take some time and talk about what some of the maybe things that everybody does, but also some things that I've seen done in other churches and stolen ideas from where I've been. And, uh, and so things that we do at Woodburn um, to just make it feel like the leaders have everything to do. And whether that leader is a worship leader sitting at the drums or mm -hmm. a vocalist or a sound guy or whatever it is irrelevant. They're, to me, they're all sharing leadership. And so I want to resource all of them well. So the first, and, and I actually have them broken into two, kind of two broad categories. By the way, this is part one episode because in part two, we're going to get on a little bit more the uh, philosophical, theological, um, less practical seeming things. And we'll come back to that in the next episode. But for today's part, I want to talk about practical and musical because those are still two different things. And, and practically speaking, one of the things that we did, we bought a refrigerator and put it in the room where people store microphones and stuff, which we call a green room. It's not green and it's not really all that much of a green room because it's also a storage room and a production space for our broadcast audio and a, a bunch of other things. It's where the church bell is located. Um, but we bought a refrigerator and put it in, and I stock it with water. And that way, especially vocalists who our vocal health is increased when we hydrate. So we just have water available for all of our folks to serve. And if it's a hot day and they come in after work, they grab a water out of the fridge and we spend, you know, some money. But we also have people, this is great, we have people who work for places that like grocery chains or beverage companies that bottle water or sell water. And sometimes they can get donations from their companies and it doesn't cost us a dime. Mm -hmm. uh, or it, or the, the member of the team will spend a dollar to get 36 bottles of water because that's their employee rate and they'll bring a couple of cases of water. So there are a lot of ways that we can do that that don't cost a lot of money. Um, I always buy the cheapest water I can find in our part of the country. That's Kroger 32 packs for three bucks. Like I, and I sometimes buy them myself and sometimes the church pays for them. But I just want to make sure that, that somebody on my team who's thirsty can get a bottle of water. It's as simple so, as that. So good. Cause when you're singing or even playing, you get yeah. really thirsty. <laughs> yeah. It's work. And you know, um, it's really interesting, especially if you are in a, if you're in a place where worship is um, physiological in the sense that you're moving around on stage, I don't necessarily mean pogoing or dancing or doing backflips. Although if you are, I mean, go for it. I love that. Yeah. I'd like to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see me doing a backflip. Um, but yeah, if, uh, if you're in a place where you are physically active when you're leading worship, um, then yeah, I mean, just refresh people. So it's not just water. Uh, we also have like breath mints because I've smelled the breath of some of my team members. I hope they don't listen. I'm just totally kidding. Uh, but people <laughs> appreciate having breath mints. I do cough drops for the similar reason of water. 
uh, it just it coats your throat. And again, if you're a singer, and by the way, I really hope instrumentalists that you're singing, whether you have a microphone in front of you or not. And so you would also potentially have dry mouth from all of that singing. Um, but then there's some more, I guess, deeper level things that we try to make sure that we provide. And, and it's taken years, by the way, um, for us to build this kind of repository of resources for practical things. But we have music stands for everybody who plays. Uh, we have iPad stands for everybody who uses an iPad. Um, we actually, as, as a church, and this is the first church I've ever been in that did this because um, I always worked in places where people would want to use their own instrument. But we have instruments. We have, we have mm. acoustic guitars. We have electric guitars. We have bass guitars. Um, we have drums in, in both of our venues. Uh, and so if somebody wants to play but they don't have an instrument, we got them covered. Or if they can't bring their instrument because they're going to be working outside all day and they don't want to leave their you know, $800 guitar in a truck while they work laying hardwood floor, then we've got an, a, a good instrument, not an amazing instrument, but a good instrument that they can use. Um, that plugs in. Like I, yeah, for years, my acoustic guitar yeah. that I owned didn't have a pickup in it. Right. So if I was leading worship somewhere and they had a guitar that would plug in, I would use that one. Yes. Um, However, some people do have their own guitars like you do, and they want to bring their own guitar. And so we will provide strings. If it's somebody who's on our team all the time, every six months, you need strings. We'll buy you some strings. The music stores locally will put them on for free. And it's just not very much money. But it's a way, again, to be hospitable, to say, I want to take care of you for serving as a part of this team. And so I think our instrumental budget, and we have three pianos. One of them gets, they, I guess all of them get tuned once a year, two of them get tuned twice a year. Um, and then we replace drum heads on our acoustic drums and we replace strings on our own instruments and anybody else's instrument. And I think for $500 a year, we do all of that. Like it's just, that's a lot of money for a small church, but a small church probably wouldn't have all of those things to do. But I've tried to build that through the years of being at Woodburn so that we can just pay for people's guitar strings or bass guitar strings or violin strings. Um, mm -hmm. Not going to buy a ten thousand dollar bow, but <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll certainly buy a, a fifteen dollar set of strings for a guitar. Um, and so, and, if you're listening to this podcast and you are serving at a church, uh, yeah. and there's a budget for your worship yep. ministry, or maybe there isn't, uh, that's something to think about. You know, maybe adding to your budget something for instruments. Yeah, and start small. You know, $50 this year, $100 in two years, you know, you don't have to start at 500 or a thousand or whatever. Just start small and start doing it. And then I think you'll find that that hospitality is appreciated and, um, and words of appreciation can actually trickle back to the people who make budget decisions. And, you know, if you need 50 now and you need 100 next year, you might be able to make that happen. And if not, wait a year and then try to do that again or go from 50 to 60. And, and it sounds so easy on this side of that, but I've been doing that for seven years, seven budget cycles, and our our budget um, has grown really significantly because we've just been asking and making the need known and letting people see the benefit of investing in things like this. And so, yeah, go slow, but start somewhere. And if you're on a team and you don't know if your worship ministry would provide strings for your guitar, ask. Ask. That's right. It never hurts to ask. Yeah. A friend of mine taught me decades ago the phrase, if you don't ask, the answer is no. 
Right. <laughs> and I think that's true in the kingdom of God. Like, I think that God has a whole storehouse of things that he's waiting for us to ask for. And we just haven't gotten them yet because we haven't asked yet. But it's also mm-hmm. true on the kingdom of earth. And if I don't have something and I need it, I, I probably am not going to get it if I don't ask for it. So um, I just, I live by that mantra and I've taught our children, by the way, it's a great parenting phrase. If, if you're parenting a teenager right now yeah, and they think, well, you didn't say I couldn't. If you don't ask, <laughs> the answer is no. Right. <laughs> you do ask. And, and I, we, as, as parents, we always try to say, if you ask, there's a good chance the answer will be yes. We're not going to say yes all the way, but there's just always a good chance that the answer is going to be yes, if you'll ask. Now, if you don't ask, there's probably going to be some punishment or discipline required on the other side of that. But if you do ask, then, you know, the chances are good. And, and I think the same thing is true. Just, I think it's a kingdom kind of way of thinking. Um, yes. There are two more that I want to talk about that go a little deeper than water and breath mints and cough drops and strings and stands and instruments. Um, and, and so they'll take a minute to talk about, but the, the first one is, is something I'm terrible at. So I just want to throw that out there. Um, it's logistical clarity. I am horrible at logistics. I don't remember them. I, I think I just figure stuff out. And so if I need something logistically figured out, I just do it, which means I'm not good at helping other people know how to have logistical clarity. And so when we do our little huddle for, before every service, I'll just say, hey, what questions do you have? Because I, I know I haven't told you everything you need to know. Um, and then people ask a question. And I know every time a question is asked, at least two or three other people have that same question. And so I get to answer questions for people. If that's a strength for you, then go for it. Offer logistical clarity. I do think that's a way to be very hospitable uh, I remember walking onto the campus of Georgetown College in 1983 as a freshman. I know that means I'm ancient, but I did, and I didn't know where dorms were, and I didn't have a map, and mm-hmm. I felt like they were not being very hospitable to me. I wouldn't have had that language for that then. I just felt lost. Sure. And they didn't give me good logistical clarity. Make sure that the people that you're having on your team, whether they're there most weeks, or they're there some weeks, or they're there for the first time have logistical clarity. And so what that looks like is I'll, for one of the things I have learned to do is I talk through the service and I'll just say, Hey, we're all going to start. We're going to pray in in kind of our green room. And then we're going to walk in from the back of the room and we're going to greet somebody on the way in. And then there's going to be a video. And after the video, we're going to start the first song and um, the drummer's going to click it off. That's how we're going to start it. And I just walk through the logistics of the whole service that way. And then what that does is it flags for other people what questions they may have. And so they'll ask. And as long as you answer with um, grace and like you're glad you were asked the question, you will foster a culture of question asking. Mm -hmm. And I find that to be very healthy because people buy in when they ask those questions. You look like you were going to say something about all that because I've just been like ranting. No, I was just going to say, and what you mean by logistical clarity is mm. specifics about where you come in, where you stand, where you plug in, where to look at, or you know, what's coming next, those kinds of things. Right. And now that I've been at Woodburn as long as I have, again, over seven years, um, my team members can offer logistical help to the people around them, which is a wonderful and beautiful thing. So I can say, uh, we had a guest pianist. I'll talk about her again in just a minute. We had a guest pianist about a month ago, and mm-hmm. um, she had never used our in-ear monitor system, and I'll come back to that in a minute as well. Yeah. And so I was yeah. able to say to the person standing closest to her, hey, would you show her how her ME1 works? 
And I don't have to be the one who does that. And our sound guy doesn't have to leave the sound booth to come down and do that because, you know, you're a stage person and you know how it works and you, you're using one regularly. And so the people around me can offer logistical clarity um, or orientation clarity or whatever you want to call it for all those kinds of things. And that's a really great place to get to. And again, that's shared leadership. Now we have a culture of yes. we're all in this together, not I'm the yes. boss. You guys do what I say. Right. That's empowering people on your team to have ownership and to have a sphere of influence themselves. Yeah. Which is, by the way, a great way to develop leaders. So it was actually Emma Tuggle that I asked to show our pianist, if I remember right, um, how to do that. And Emma is a worship leader and she's going to be a worship leader in greater ways as the years uh, unfold. And so for her to learn how to coach somebody about how to use inner monitors is a really handy tool for her to have in her tool belt. And as you're developing the people around you, the more you empower them, not just with tasks, but delegate them. Um, like I didn't say, tell her how to turn up the drums. I said, show her how the in-ear monitors work. Mm-hmm. And that gives her a, a sphere of influence now. And when our pianist had a question, she could just say to Emma, hey, how do I do this? Mm-hmm. It was very unobtrusive. It didn't interrupt rehearsal. I was doing something else or whatever. And so it just really expedites things and makes our rehearsals go quickly. And that's important to me. So Lovely. one more, one more, and that's in-ear monitors. By the way, if you have never seen Bethany lead worship, you don't know that she has inner monitors that are made in her favorite color, which <laughs> she calls teal and I call turquoise. But I, I think it's probably a hybrid of the two. I don't know. Um, and they're sparkly. Anyway, they are sparkly. They're so blinged out. They're yeah. so Enneagram 7. Um, so, all the way. Seven's <laughs> all the way. Yes. When I came to Woodburn, um, we had seven stage monitors. We had a wedge for the pianist and the, a wedge for the drummer and a wedge for the bass player and a wedge for the acoustic guitar player and two wedges for the singers and then a wedge for, I guess, the choir or, or something. I don't know. We had literally seven different monitors aimed at the stage, which is not very deep. So we were getting a lot of bounce back from all those wedges off the back wall. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was very frequent for us to have the house speakers turned down all the way. Because for the stage monitors to be loud enough, you didn't really need the house speakers anymore, which meant the congregation was hearing deflected sound from a $200 speaker, actually a combination of seven of them, um, rather than the, I don't know, $800 speakers that were aimed at the congregation. So the sound was terrible. And it was was just because we didn't have in-ear monitors and, and we didn't, the church didn't have uh, the funds for that. I mean, it, it was just our reality. It's not, I'm not complaining or criticizing. We just sure. hadn't gotten there yet. And so right. one of one of the very first things I did is said, could we, could we work towards budgeting like as soon as possible to do this? And and we were able to over the course again of several years, get to the place now where everybody on stage at Woodburn, in our sanctuary and our cafe venues has in ear monitors. The mm-hmm. singers are wireless because they move around. The the rhythm section is wired because they're kind of stuck at their spot. Now we have extensions so they can be free to move around around their spot. Um, Mm -hmm. But basically we just have in-ears for everybody and it's wonderful. In fact, I was, I'm talking way too much. You have to interrupt me soon. I was at my, (laughs) I was at my ENT ENT doc uh, about five years ago um, to just get my hearing checked. 
And he asked me if we use in-ear monitors. I told him what I do for a living. He goes to a church here in town um, that where they do use in-ear monitors. And, and I said, no, or I don't remember what I said at the time. I think I said, we're in the transition. And he said, that's great. It's going to help your hearing. But let me yes. tell you a couple of things about them. First of all, use both ears, which I still don't do because I can't get ambient mics to work the way I want them to. So I can't hear the room. Oh, no. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to get that fixed this year. Um, so I, I typically just lead with one ear in, one ear out. That's not good for our hearing. Um, but then he also said, be careful not to turn them up too loud. And yeah. you have control over that. And that's one of the things I love about in-ear monitors. And as you're hospitable to your team, if you have them, or if you can get to the place where you have them, is you learn as a team how to use them. And in-ear monitors, uh, we use them in part because we have a click track that we play with. Uh, but we also just, we get to hear everything exactly the way we want to hear it. And the congregation only hears the nicer speakers that are aimed at them. And it has cleaned up the sound in our room dramatically. So I'm a big proponent. I think they're great. Yeah. Well, hearing is, is something that a lot of young people probably aren't thinking about. But um, mm -hmm. the older you get, you know, if that starts to go, I mean, it's gone. And you yeah. can't get it back. And right. there was a time when I was leading somewhere and I stood in front of the drums with no cage or anything. And I developed my clonus tinnitus in my left ear, which basically wow. sounds like somebody's knocking on your eardrum all the time. It's like a knocking sound inside your ear that just went on for about a week. And it's, it's wow. a sign of damage. So yeah. um, this is really uh, actually quite important. It's a, it's a health, health and safety issue for yeah. you guys who are leading worship and have a team leading with you. So it's something you need to consider for everybody's sake, but for your own sake, for your own hearing's sake, uh, consider this. <laughs> yeah, and there are way, way more price point availability options now than there have ever been. There are some really, really inexpensive ways to do this. Um, there are also some rather expensive ways to do this and, and kind of everything in between. So while that might seem like if you're at a smaller church, yeah, inner monitors like that's ever going to happen. Actually, it really can. And mm -hmm. if you'll just, and I can't give you practical resources off the top of my head to do this, but you know, Google is your friend. So just go Google um, low cost in-ear monitors for church or something like that. And you'll find some options that I think will be very helpful. Yeah, I bought a pair one time because mine got stepped on and shattered into pieces. Yeah, I remember accidentally that. by someone. It wasn't me. No, I would say I would totally tell that story and name you if it was you. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> but someone accidentally stepped on mine and shattered them, so they were sent off for repair. And I found some on Amazon for like thirty-seven dollars. Mm -hmm. And I, I have to say too, you can use earbuds that are just for listening to music, uh, but it's it's better to have actually in-ear monitors. But like I said, I found some on Amazon. These were pink and sparkly for only $37. So. Yep. Yeah, and if you're thinking more about how to how to get a system for your team, there are also really low-cost options on that side. Like we use Allen um, Allen and Heath gear. So the board in our sanctuary is an SQ6, and we have an ME-1 or ME-1 personal monitor that all of our folks have access to. That's a pretty hefty price tag in terms of how you do in-ear monitors. 
I like them better than any other system that I've seen for a variety of reasons. Um, I'm not a gearhead. I'm not a tech guy, but just my, as a stage person, I just, I really like the way that they function. Um, I've used um, QMix app mm-hmm. on my phone, yep. which somehow enabled me to have my own mix on my phone that I could adjust back and forth. Yes. Amazing. Yes. And I think that works with the Allen and Heath Q series, but it, there are there are a variety of um, of options that are both hardware and software oriented, and more are emerging every year. So if you're thinking as you know as a worship ministry, how how in the world could we get to have in-ear monitors for everybody? There are ways that you can do it gradually. Again, you know we have we have everybody on in-ears now, but we started with five. It was it was me and the rhythm section, and that was it. And then we just added and added and added and added, and we took years to do that. So it, it can happen. Just be patient. Think long-term. Do a little bit at a time. Uh, start with what you can do rather than being worried about what you can't do. And it's amazing what you can accomplish over a period of time. Um, by the way, one more thought about in-ear monitors, and then we'll move to the second half of this episode. Um, we, we have bought a, about five or six of those like $25 to $50 earbuds off of Amazon that we keep in our green room. So if somebody comes to play at Woodburn and they don't have their own, we've got some. And then we've, I bought just like a bag for four bucks of interchangeable um, cushions to go on them that are different sizes so that they can get whatever fits their ear. Again, it's just about being hospitable. I want to take care of people who come to play with us. And, um, it's really fascinating to me how many people have started attending Woodburn and made Woodburn their church home because they started as a guest on stage playing an instrument. Um, I would say in the seven years I've been there, that's probably happened at least 20 to 25 times. And many of those people have now left and they're, you know, they're in a different city and they're leading worship somewhere, which is fantastic. But I think the, that whole value of hospitality and, and when people come to play at Woodburn, they feel welcomed. They feel like part of the family. That's yes. not just a value for our church. That's a value for our worship ministry. And so absolutely, that just is the way it feels. And, and I want to work to make sure that when somebody comes to play drums for the first time or bass guitar for the first time or whatever, it's like, okay, like I would come back here. These people are really kind to me. Yes. And that may seem goofy and simple and, like I just needed a bass player. Well, maybe you have a way to grow your church. Yeah. And, and so I think if you'll if you'll think carefully and thoroughly through that, you'll come up with better ideas than these or more ideas than these. And by the way, if you do, um, email me because we'll share them. Rod E Ellis at gmail dot com. R O D E E L L I S at gmail dot com. And we'll share them on a future podcast. I would love to know if there are other really tangible, practical ways that you exhibit hospitality in your worship ministry yeah shout outs on our podcast yeah um all right one more category and this one's shorter um but it's also extraordinary and these are musical things that we try to do um we use planning center online there are multiple online planning resources like um worshipplanning.com uh gosh i'm forgetting now off the top of my head but there there are a variety of them evernote um, Evernote is a way that you can communicate with multiple people in notes. Um, but I'm talking like there are multiple platforms that you can do what Planning Center does, where you actually have the order of service and upload songs and upload uh, sheet music, recordings, et cetera, to all of that. So 
Planning Center Online is probably the Mac Daddy. I mean, it's the one that's most popular. They have, I'm sure they own market share, so to speak. Um, but Planning Center Online is an incredible tool. We've talked about it on the podcast before. Um, essentially, I put all the people in. I put all the songs in. I put the songs in an order of service. I put the people in the order of service. And then I just put them together. And all that happens electronically. And so when, um, when Steve Tishner, who's playing guitar this Sunday at my church, started playing at Woodburn on occasion, uh, I added him as a person in Planning Center. And then I sent him the order of service. And I invited him to play. And when he clicked accept, which is a green button, uh, when he got the email, uh, all he did is click accept. His device or computer automatically took him to the Planning Center Services site where he could see the order of service. And in that order of service, he could pull up a chord chart or a lead sheet. He could then listen to a demo in the key that we're playing it in. He could watch a YouTube video of it being done by the originating artist. Um, there's a really decent chance, depending on the song, that he could watch a tutorial about how to play the acoustic guitar part for that song, for that particular cover of that song. So it's really extraordinary the way that we can resource people musically to be able to thrive as they serve through resources like Planning Center Online. And I love it. We, we recently, I, I mentioned this guest pianist who came about a month ago and, and I was mm -hmm. able to get somebody else to help her with her ME1 personal monitor. Um, she had never seen Planning Center before. Uh, she's, you know, somewhere around our age and, and had been playing piano in churches for decades, but she had never seen it. And so I talked with her afterwards. And I said, how was it coming to Woodburn for the first time? You know, is there anything I can do better as a host when we have people join us? And she said, oh my gosh, Planning Center answered almost every question I could possibly think of. I could see the order of service. I could see how the songs fit together. I knew um, I could print my own music. I could practice it ahead of time. I could listen to the demo. Um, she was just kind of blown away by that whole thing. And those It of is amazing. Live, it is. Yeah, I, I have for years called it the most powerful resource for church music since the hymnal was invited and was invented. Um, I really think it's that level of technology advance. It's just extraordinary. And so, it has um, ability to uh, block out dates that you're not yeah. available. And yep. you can also request like numbers of times a month that you're available yep. or would like to serve, which is incredible. Yep. And if you serve in multiple venues, so we have our cafe venue, we have our youth venue, we have our sanctuary venue, you can actually say, I'd like to serve twice in the sanctuary and once in cafe in a month. Like you can get that granular with your preferences. Uh, and then when whoever's scheduling people pulls you up and says, hey, can this person play? It'll say, nah, you've already asked them twice this month or you've already asked them three times this month. So um, I can override that as a scheduler. And if I did that, I would probably text that person or call them or stop in the hallway and say, hey, I know you only want to play twice a month, but I still need a drummer. Any chance that you can play this other Sunday? And then they can say yes or no. Um, but Planning Center has that kind of just amazing detail in terms of planning. It's a little bit like having a part-time assistant just built. Oh, into for sure. Platform. Yeah. That's what an administrative assistant would be spending all their time doing. Right. And so you can pay for that. And, and Planning Center Online is based on church size. So if you're in a smaller church, you will pay less per month. Uh, and if you're in a larger church, you pay more. And if you're a very large church, you pay a lot more. But that's because the resources that come with it are equally sized. So like we keep our videos on there uh, that we're going to import and play in a service. Um, we have literally hundreds of demos 
of songs that are taking up storage space. And I don't have to keep those on my computer. They're just on planning center. Uh, and it's a, it's a really spectacular resource. Um, one other thing I do musically to help people is I'll ask them if they want me to provide print music and if so, what kind. So if you're a guitar player, do you want a lead sheet or a chord sheet? Do you need it capoed or whatever? And I try to have it on the stand for that person when they get to rehearsal. Um, that expedites rehearsal time. It makes it go quicker. That person oh, yes. comes in already prepared. Um, yeah. but by the way, planning center has a sister app that they, they developed or a, I don't know if they developed it or if they bought it, but it's called music stand. And yes. that is designed for use on an iPad or an, or an iPhone. I think there's a Google version <laughs> as well. It doesn't have to be iOS. Um, and that's why we have iPad stands. So you can come in and you actually can pull up music stand and it will, it will display the music that you want. So if you're a flute player, you can use an iPad and use music stand. And if, as long as the orchestration is downloaded and uploaded and all that stuff that we do ahead of time, you can literally just look at the flute part and play through it all the way through the service. It's a really beautiful tool and we are using it increasingly around our place at Woodburn. So print music or iPads, we actually have bought iPads. Um, we bought some that were like on sale at Christmas time last year with end of year budget funds so that we could have a couple of iPads available for somebody who doesn't have an iPad, but they're comfortable using one on stage. Mm -hmm. And I just want to resource people. I want to be hospitable in every way that I can. Not frivolous, not wasteful. I don't ever want to buy something that we're not going to use, but I always want sure. to buy whatever's going to get used. So those are ways that we try to resource for the win. Yes. So good. Bethany, you have been to our church a couple of times as a guest worship leader and, um, you know, various roles, youth worship and Sunday morning and Sunday night worship on the lawn and all those sort of things. What are some of the things that you have in your head? And, and you do this at a lot of places, not just at Woodburn, but you, you are a guest worship leader all over. When you walk into a space, what are some of the things that you are grateful is there waiting for you or that you wish had been there waiting for you? Well, it's funny because you don't you don't realize those things until you go somewhere and they don't have it. Right. Okay. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> like not having a music stand available for you. Uh, and if I do have one, it's a like, it folds up. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, if I didn't know to bring it, then, you know, everybody else has a stand and I'm like, OK, I'll just uh, put these pieces of paper on the floor or, you know, <laughs> um, or not having in your monitors an in your monitor system. Uh, which can work, you know, in certain, obviously, if you're doing like a, just an acoustic set somewhere in a small venue, like, you know, sure. you, it's okay. You don't have drums and bass um, to take up all the space in the room, <laughs> right. uh, uh, sound wise. But yeah, that makes a huge difference. And, and also just knowing, I think we talked about this the other day, knowing um, how much time I have, what the order of mm. service is, and how I can serve the best. Um, because I don't want to um, just sort of take over and be like, oh, I'm here to lead worship and I'm just going to go for as long as I want or, right. <laughs> you know, anything like that. So, yeah, those yeah, things make a huge difference. That logistical clarity you were describing right. earlier is so, yeah, is so okay. helpful. So yeah. helpful. And it's always great to have water because, I mean, I bring water with me, but it's always so great to have somebody 
hand you water or tell you where the water is. Um, all of those things make a huge difference and they make you feel valued. I think that's, mm. that's the big thing is hospitality makes people feel valued. It, it makes the person who's come to your house or in, in this context coming to help you all lead worship at your church. It makes them feel valued. Like what they have to offer is a valuable part of the service. And people love that. People love to yeah. feel important and feel seen and feel appreciated. Mm. Yeah. So do that relationally, but also do that practically. Do that with some tangible things, some, some stuff that's sitting around the room. Um, you know, under the front pew, if you don't have a, a, a backstage room kind of deal or whatever, you know, just um, think creatively, uh, figure out how to do this better in your space than I do it in mine. And again, if you have ideas on how to do this, um, we'll, we'll, we'll shout it out for the whole world to hear, or at least, you know, my mom. Will. Will listen. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so shoot me Hi, an mom. email. Um, yes. Uh, Speaking of that, um, if we just would love for more people to listen. So if this serves you and you think it would serve a friend of yours, would you share this with them? If you think it might serve more than just a friend of yours, would you go on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify and like and rate and review the podcast? Uh, if you have anything negative to say, you're welcome to do that publicly. I'd rather you do it privately and let us know. <laughs> um, so really, I would like to hear that kind of input. If there's something we can do better or differently, Again, my, my email address is rodellis at gmail.com. First name is Rod, middle initial E uh, for Edward, named after my father and my grandfather. And last name is Ellis, E-L-L-I-S. So you put all that together, rodellis at gmail.com. And I would just be delighted to hear from you. In any way that I can serve you, any way I can help your church, uh, I'd be honored to do that. It's a part of what my church um, empowers and releases me to do, is to help other churches. Um, if you're a part of our church and you're listening, thank you. I really do these with you in mind. I want you to know that these resources are available to you. I want to make sure that I'm meeting all of the needs that you have before I try to meet the needs that other churches have. Um, so if there's a way that I can serve you and you're a part of Woodburn's ministry, um, be sure to let me know. I'm your worship pastor and I want to pastor you in every way I can. Um, next time, just, just a tiny tease. We're going to come back and talk about resources for the win. It's a different kind of winning, but we're going to talk about personal growth and spiritual resourcing. How can you how can you resource your folks so that they can grow and how can you resource your folks so they can grow in Christ? So join us next time for, so every soul worship for the real church. That's right. Resources for the win part two. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. We thank the world of you. <laughs>